And let's get into the Word of God here. Again, James chapter 1. Again, we're going to look at verses 18 through 20. But before we dive into that, let's consider what we looked at last week. Because this is all written in context. And really all these things flow together. These aren't just various thoughts, you know, separated from one another. Though there's truth in each of these thoughts on their own. But we're always to study God's Word in context. And last week there, we looked at James Chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, that says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. And we spent a lot of time there in verse 16 where it says, Do not be deceived. And we looked at the context, first of all, of not being deceived concerning the things written before verse 16. In particular, in the part where it says, We're going to have trials and we're to count it all joy, knowing God, again, uses them for good in our life. And then we saw in the verses right before this, that with every trial, there's going to be a temptation. And temptation, when it is conceived, brings forth sin and sin brings forth death. And the Lord does not want us to be deceived concerning that. And we looked at God's word and how to combat temptation, taking our thoughts captive, because to be deceived, it means to be drawn away from the truth, or to drift from the truth, or to be seduced. So we want to stand in the truth of God's Word. And then we looked at verse 17 that talks about the person and the character of God, which is talked about in the verses before this as well. Because though God allows trials, we read that God is not tempted by sin, nor does He tempt with sin. And we know that our adversary is the tempter. The Lord is the one that wants to build us up. And then in verse 17, it talks about the character of God, that every good and perfect gift is from Him. And there's no shadow or turning in Him. We get His truth in the Word of God, and His truth is the truth, and it will always be the truth. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so with those things said this morning, building on that, again, talking about every good and perfect gift coming down from Him, this morning in verse 18, we're going to focus in on the greatest gift of all, his son, Jesus Christ. And we're going to see that before we came to Christ, we were in a place of sin. We were in a place of spiritual death. And we needed to be brought into a place of life. We needed to go from life to death. We needed to be born again, birthed into life. And we're going to see that it was the Lord's will to provide a way for us to be birthed in life. Through again sending his son, Jesus Christ dying for our sins and defeating death when he rose from the grave, that by his grace through faith in him, we can be saved. And that's the gospel message. And again, that is the greatest gift of all, that we might be, as it reads here, and we'll read it in a second, the first fruits of his creatures. And in this we're going to see this morning, we see an incredible picture of God's patience and God's mercy and God's grace, because as soon as man sinned in the garden, God could have brought wrath, but instead he was gracious to bring forth, again, a way of salvation and was long-suffering towards us. Now, again, we're called to be reflective of Jesus Christ. We're called to be ambassadors. And this is where these next verses come about. In verse 19, it says, So my beloved brother, and let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And as he has been patient with us, God wants us to be patient with others so that we can put forth the gospel message in a manner that would draw people to the Lord versus driving them from the Lord. 
And so that's a little overview of where we've been, where we're going. Again, let's read 18 through, well, I just read 19 and 20. Let's read verse 18 and dive into this. It says, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now, again, brought us forth could also be said birthed us. And it's a picture, again, of bringing us forth from a place of death to a place of life, to being born again from death unto life. And we need to understand that before we came to Christ, and all of those that have not come to Christ, though they're alive and have breath in their lungs, they're also dead. Death means to be separated, and in their sin, they are separated from a holy God. They do not have a right relationship with a holy God because of their sin. Scripture talks about this uh, throughout the word. Uh, Ephesians 2.1 says, And he made you, and he, he made alive, you alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. And again, we're alive, but we're dead outside of Jesus Christ, dead in trespasses and sins, or because of our sin and trespasses that they're not forgiven, we're separated from a holy God. Jesus said this in Matthew 8.21 Uh, Then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Now, how can a dead man bury another dead man? Well, if we're talking about just physical death, he can't. A dead guy can't bury another dead guy. So what's the Lord talking about here? He's talking about individuals that they're alive here on earth, but spiritually they are dead. And to this disciple, basically what he was saying is, listen, this world and its sin is separated from me, and they're just about the business of this world that does not produce everlasting life. And if you want to follow me, you need to put me first and be about my business first. You need to take up your cross and follow me. That's part of putting our faith in Jesus Christ. Again, it's his work that saves us, but if he's our Lord, then that's evidence in a heart that wants to follow after him. First Timothy 5, 6, and talking about widows, it says, but she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. And again, it's another picture of someone who is alive, but they are dead. In this picture, it is one that makes pleasure their Lord. They're just living for their five senses. And though they're alive, they're dead. And it's interesting because Timothy talks about how in the last days there'll be perilous times. Men will be lovers of self rather than lovers of God. And that they'll be lovers of pleasure. And we really live in a pleasure-driven culture that so many bow knee at that altar, and that's just what they pursue. And while they're pursuing pleasure, they're pursuing it wanting to find satisfaction because, again, in their heart, there is death there. And the only answer to that satisfaction is the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Colossians 2.13, and there's just scripture on scripture on this. It says, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh... He has made alive together with him, having forgive all your trespasses, speaking to the body of Christ here. Again, you were dead, but through him, you have come to a place of life. And so again, this is a picture of everyone outside of Jesus Christ. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. And so we're living in a world where, again, we look around and we see people alive all around us, but many of these people, though they're alive, They are dead. 
they're separated from God. They don't have a right relationship with a holy God who's not going to commune and bring sin into eternity that brings forth death and pain and sorrow. And one thing we need to understand, just as they are alive but they are dead, if they die in their sins, the Bible says they're going to be subjected to the second death, but in that second death, they're going to be dead, but they're also going to still be alive. Listen to Romans or to Revelation 2014 and then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, unfortunately, it is very giving, getting very popular today for people to preach that there is no hell, there is no eternal uh, condemnation. People say, well, you die and then you're going to go to the lake of the fire and you're going to cease to be. But that's not biblical. When God created us in his image and likeness, he created us you know it to be eternal beings to either spend eternity in his presence and then after man's sin if he doesn't repent to spend eternity under his wrath and really when we say there's no hell it really takes away the 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 gravity and the greatness of the gospel of jesus christ and what he endured for us upon the cross of calvary jesus christ himself said in matthew 25 46 Speaking of those rejecting him, he says, these will go away to everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And it's a frightening thing, again, the culture that we are living in today. And again, this is, it seems to be coming into all kinds of, of, of places where, again, there is a profession of Christianity that people who die in their sin will just cease being, but that's not biblical. The Bible talks about an eternal punishment and an eternal hell. We need to know this. And listen, we're going somewhere with this because it shows all the more greatness as we go through this, the greatness of God's patience and his love and so forth. I know this past week there was an event called Revive 2016. I know there was a lot of chatter. There was a movie down in San Luis and a lot of people went to it. And listen, I commend the effort for revival. We need revival, don't we? But I think maybe the title would have been better, Repent 2016. Especially considering the fact that one of the speakers, a politician, believes that you're saved not through faith in Christ, but faith in Christ plus keeping the Sabbath, also says there is no hell that is a contradictory statement to the scriptures, and says you can have an abortion for the first 10 days after conception because life doesn't really begin until a heart beats because this individual's a doctor, so as a doctor, he knows better than the word of God. And I agree with most of his politics, but in these matters, Ben Carson's completely wrong. And you see Christians bringing someone like that onto a platform, and it's like, wait a minute, this is contradictory to the Word of God. Didn't we just read, do not be deceived? And I bring this up because, again, the enemy wants to make light of these things. He wants to make light of, again, the fact that men outside of Christ, they're dead men walking, they're zombies is what they are, they're alive, but they are dead. And then he really wants to make light of the fact that if they die in that sin, they're subjected to a second death. And Jesus Christ says they are under eternal punishment forever and ever and ever and ever. And that should be something that stirs our heart. That should be something that gets our attention this morning, should it not? And it's not something to make light of. And definitely we shouldn't have men that say they represent Christ that misrepresent him calling for revival when, wait a minute, we need some repentance. We need to get back to the truth of God's word and start crucifying our opinions 
in a Laodicean-driven era that we are in. Again, this all started with man's sin in the garden. God told, again, Adam, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, on that day you will surely die. You'll be surely be separated from me. And we know how the account goes. We looked at it last week when we talked about deception. Man ate of that tree, and death set in, and then death spread to all mankind. And listen, just as you were born with a heart, like Adam has a heart, you were born with a sin nature that Adam took on when he sinned. Romans 5.12, therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. And in and of ourselves, again, we're going somewhere with this, and this is all the more reason why we got to spend time on it. In of ourselves, there is no bridge built to save us. We have no hope in ourselves. Again, man sinned in the garden. He came under wrath. He was hopeless in himself. And that's the case still today. Our good works can't save us. In of ourselves, we cannot get right standing with the living God. Romans 3, 9, what then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that we are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks God. They have all turned aside. They have all together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. And it goes on from there. And we're in a place of hopelessness in ourself. And we are in a place where we are rightfully under the condemnation and wrath of a perfect and just God who made man in a perfect place, provided for him, said, I will be your God. And then man said, listen, I want to be my own God, up yours God. And that is what brought death and sin and sorrow and war into this world that we are living in. Man brought that forth when man said, I will be my own God. And the day is coming when every individual will stand before God and outside of Jesus Christ, they're going to experience wrath upon them forever and ever and ever. And it will be a just and a righteous judgment. Psalm 9, 8, he shall judge the world in righteousness and he shall administer judgment for the peoples in uprightness. Listen, on judgment day, there will be no backsass to God because men will see themselves in light of a holy God. And there won't be anyone who he- in hell who won't choose to be there. Because that heart of rejection, rejection towards Christ, they'll be given to it forever and ever and ever. But listen, with all this said, here's man he sinned. Here's man going from a place of life to death, saying, I want to be separated from you. I want to be my own God. Isn't that a declaration of that? I don't want you to be my God. I want to be my own God. And at that point right then, God would have been justified, said, we're done with this. You know what, I created hell for Satan and the angels when they rebelled against me. And now you, Adam, and your wife will be damned to it forever. We are done with all of this. But he didn't do that. He wasn't quick to wrath. When again, he would have been perfectly justified and righteous in bringing forth that wrath. But notice here, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Instead, he chose to make a way of salvation when he did not have to. He said, man willed to rebel against me. Man willed to be his own God. I can bring wrath on him, but instead, I will to make a way of salvation for him. That's how good our God is. And not only a way of salvation, he knew this would involve his son, the second person of the Trinity, going to the cross Living, first of all, a sinless life, taking on the form of a man, living a sinless life, and dying for us, 
taking the wrath to us and placing it upon his son to save us. He willed that. See, and this is why his will is so much better than our will. A lot of times when we pray, we just, Lord, do my will. But listen, his will is better. Man's will brought forth death. His will brought forth a way to get life, a way for forgiveness, a way of everlasting life. Isn't that good news this morning? As bad as all that other news is, and that's bad news, this is good news, what Jesus has done for us. See, and we need to be brought from a place of death to life. We need to be, are you ready for it? It's a bad word today for most people, but we need to be born again. Have you noticed that? You know, people talk about Christianity, that's one thing, but then they say, oh, he's a born again Christian. And it's like, you know what, a a, a bad word today. But let me tell you something, there's only one type of Christian, a born again Christian. And if you're not born again, you're not a Christian. You're still in your sin. You are still in death. You need to be brought forth in life. And that happens when we get born again through faith in Jesus Christ. In John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And basically to paraphrase it, Jesus says, Are you kidding me, Nicodemus? You don't get this? Yeah, that's what I mean. No. I mean spiritually. And in fact, later on in this conversation they're having, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and here's the key, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We're dead. We have life through believing in him. And that's not just believing that Jesus walked on the earth. Listen, the demons believe and shudder. To believe it means I entrust him with my life. Verse 17, for God God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, The world's already condemned. But that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He is still dead in his sin. It is faith in Jesus Christ that brings us into a place of life. Jesus Christ dealt with the sin issue, and no one else ever has, and no one ever else will, and no one one else is capable of even doing that. Notice 1 Peter 1.23, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. And see, we were dead in our sins, those of us that know Christ this morning. And upon hearing the good news, upon hearing the gospel, which listen, bad news is mixed into that. The bad news, we're sinners, we're under condemnation, but here's the good news. And the law shows us we're sinners, but here's the good news. Jesus fulfilled the law Jesus died for your sins to build that bridge back to the Father. And if you put your faith in him, you are saved. That's good news, is it not? And it's through that proclamation of the good news that we are brought forth when we receive that by faith from death unto life. And this is why we need to proclaim the gospel. Romans 1.16, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. In Romans 10, 17, for faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of a good story. It doesn't say that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by tickling people's ears and telling them what they want to hear versus the truth. No, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
So listen, if you're here today as a Christian, as I start talking about these things, maybe you're saying, oh no, don't say this, people are going to be offended. Listen, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, not by me tickling people's ears and watering things down and saying, well, there is really no hell and so forth. No one gets saved through that. People get saved when they hear the truth. Listen, there's bad news, we're sinners, we're under condemnation, but God sent his son to die for us to save us from eternal wrath and bring us into a place of eternal life. And to many people, that's foolishness. But to listen to others, it is salvation. 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And maybe even as I'm proclaiming these things, you're thinking, boy, this is foolish. Boy, this is wrong. The Bible just has declared declaration on that thought. To those that are perishing, it's foolishness. God does not want you to perish. God wants you to be saved. God wants you to be washed. God wants you to be cleansed. And if you call on his name, it's the power of God to bring you unto salvation. And listen, this is why the gospel message is so important. And this is why as a church, we put an emphasis on the gospel of Jesus Christ. I try every time I get in this pulpit to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. For, for multiple reasons. Number one, listen, the gospel of Jesus Christ glorifies God. And whether anyone gets saved or anyone listens and hears it or not, God is glorified and to God be the glory. Amen. Secondly, listen, when the gospel is preached, the body of Christ is being equipped. We gather together in part for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. And it's been a blessing over the years to have so many people say to me, listen, I was talk to somebody, talking to someone and an opportunity came to share the gospel and it just flowed out of me. And I'm like, how am I, where did I learn these things? And then I realized I've learned how to share the gospel because I hear it shared every single week over and over and over again. And so please never go to the, get to the place where, oh, here he goes sharing the gospel again. Crucify that thought. Because God is being glorified and we're being equipped. And listen, that equipping's to the glory of God, not to the glory of me. And then again, thirdly, listen, people get saved when they hear the gospel. They get born again. And I want to be a part of a church where if I bring someone that doesn't know the Lord, I know they're going to hear the gospel that morning, don't you? In hopes that they would get saved. How are we loving people if we don't share the gospel with them? This is also why we are a fellowship. And again, this is to the glory of God and He's provided opportunities for us to spread the gospel. But this is why, like recently, we put a, maybe some of you got this in the mail. We, there, there's an advertisement uh, that used to be called the Clipper, and now it's called the Flavor. They're trying to, like, jazz it up. The Flavor. And so <laughs> we, we bought the back page of that. And maybe some of you guys got this in your mailbox. Hopefully you did. You should have got it. It just has the gospel message on it. And listen, that went to 50,000 homes. 50,000 homes heard the gospel or got the gospel put before them for a couple thousand dollars of your tithes and offerings. And please be praying for that because, listen, we try to do things strategically. That doesn't get thrown away because it's full of coupons to save you money on your pizza and your Mexican food and on your next mattress and so forth. You know? And so those things are still floating around right now in people's restrooms and on their kitchen counters and in their dashboards and so forth and we're praying hey turn that thing over and read it because God's got the gospel for you this is why again 
we buy 10,000 tracks at a time and they get, people take them and probably 60% get passed out and 40% end up in glove boxes. But praise God for the 60% that gets passed out. People get saved through those things. That's why we got a soup kitchen downtown. Listen, the, the, the first priority to that isn't social justice. It's not do-goodism. It is absolutely to try to meet people at their point of physical need. But in hope that we can share with them about their greater need, their spiritual need for Jesus Christ. And that's why the gospel is shared down there before every meal. Before groceries are handed out or whatever else. We want people to get saved. We want them to be partakers of this good news. This is why, again, we have a radio station that God opened doors for. And again, poured a lot of tithe and offering money into that and Praise God, never had to do the thermometer there in the bulletin. The Lord brought it. And praise God, after being on the air for a year, we just get continual feedback of people getting ministered through that. It's pretty awesome to know that 24 hours, seven days a week, the gospel is going forth from this facility right here into our community. And Lord willing, you know what? That signal will be able to expand down the road, but it's going forth through an app and so forth. That's an exciting thing. We need to be praying for these things, amen? So we got to proclaim the gospel. Now notice here, he brought us, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. And it was his will to send his son to make that way of salvation. It's interesting, the Bible makes it clear as well. It's his will that all would come to salvation. 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And then 1 Timothy 2, 4, who desires all men to be saved, to come to the knowledge of the truth. So it was his will to make a way from death to life, and it's his will for everyone to come to know him. Why doesn't everyone come to know him? And these are the questions that have perplexed men and have divided men and caused men to argue and, you know what, fight over things that the Bible's clear on. Listen, the Bible clearly talks about predestination and and election. But make no mistake, the Bible also talks about free will and choice. Joshua said to the Israelites, choose this day who you will serve. And that would be pretty cruel if they didn't have a choice in the matter to say that, would they? And I know some people say, but you just said they're dead and dead men can't choose. Well, I know this as well. The Holy Spirit can't convict a corpse corpse either. And so one thing that I do know is it's his will that all come to know him. By his will, again, he willingly went to the cross for us. And I know this, that whoever calls on the name of the Lord is elected, and if you're elected, you're calling the name of the Lord. So don't be in a place to say, well, I'm not elected, so I can't call on the name of the Lord. It's His will that you would call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's preach the gospel, amen? Now again, that we are to be the first fruits of His creatures. And listen, man is God's prized possession. We were created in His likeness and image. Nothing else was. The earth was created for man to enjoy and have dominion over. I know that, you know, it rubs a lot of people the wrong way today, but those are lies to say, you know what, that, that, that man is blight on the earth. That's not the case. We were created in his likeness and image. And hear this, we rebelled against him, but he chose to take on the image of a man to save us. Isn't that incredible? What an awesome God we have. That we would be the first fruits, and we know in Romans 8 it speaks of all creation being subjected to bondage because of the sin of man, but yearning for that day of the coming of Christ to be loosed from that bondage that came from sin. 
And boy, that bondage is evidence all around us. Boy, there's issues in this world today, is there not? So with this said, and again, these flow together. So then, my beloved brother, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So again, with verse 18 said, so then. How do these come together? Listen, God was patient and slow to pour out his wrath. Man sinned and God could have said, boom, fire come down, we're done with this. Right then. And he would have been completely, 100% justice, just and righteous in doing that. But instead he was slow to wrath. Aren't you thankful that he is slow to wrath? And we deserve that wrath. Make no mistake about it. But he was slow to wrath. Instead of saying, instead of bringing wrath, he said, I'm going to make a way of salvation for you. Again, the Savior is going to come. And though this serpent who tempted you will bruise his heel, speaking of the cross, he will crush that serpent's head. And the whole Old Testament is looking forward to that Savior who would come, who came, Jesus Christ. What a demonstration of God's love for us. I love it. Romans 5, 8, 9. But God demonstrated his own love towards us and why we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Again, we were dead. We were under wrath. He loved us, though, to send his son while we were in sin and rebellion to make a way of salvation for us. He was slow to wrath. Now, listen, his wrath's going to come. Judgment day is going to come for everybody. And listen, the only escape of that is the blood of Jesus Christ because you are going to be judged to the uttermost. And that is a frightening thought. The thought of me standing before God, not covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, makes my knees knock. I know I'm going to hell because if you break one point of the law, you've broken the whole thing. But in Christ Jesus, the good news is that we are saved to the uttermost. Every nook and cranny is covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, washed and forgiven and cleansed and right standing with God through humbling our hearts and putting our faith in Jesus Christ. That is good news. And listen, in sharing that good news with others, let's make sure we properly represent him. That we go forth in the love of Christ, contending for the faith. And again, part of this is contending for the faith. And here this truth is not hate speech. Truth sets people free. So as he's loved us and has been slow to wrath, again, we're hypocrites if we're quick to wrath. Jesus tells a parable about this in Matthew 18. He talks about a master who came to settle accounts with his servants. You can read this later, Matthew 18, 21 through 35. And it turns out one of these servants owns a li- owes a lifetime of debt to his master. And the master says, listen, get him, his wife, his children, throw him in a debtor's prison until the debt's paid off. And he knows I'm going to be in prison forever. And so he cries out for mercy to his master, and his master has compassion on him and forgives him a lifetime of debt. What an awesome God. What a picture, again, of the work of the cross. But it says from there that that servant rose up and he found one of his fellow servants that owed him a hundred denarii. A hundred denarii, it's a, it's a day's wage. And it says that he began to beat him. He laid hands on him and he grabbed him by the throat and he said, pay me what you owe me. Other servants heard this, aggrieved their heart. They went to that master. And that master called that individual into his presence and he said, you're a wicked servant. He said, listen, I had pity on you. And it says that that he delivered him to the torturers so that he would pay all that was due him. Let's, that, let's not let, let that be us, amen? Listen, as he has been merciful to us and gracious to us, 
and slow to wrath concerning us. Let's make sure that we are not quick to wrath and quick to anger with others because it doesn't bring forth the righteousness of God. It doesn't represent God at all. And this is why this goes together. With that said, so then my beloved brethren, and this is being told to us out of his love for us, we're his beloved. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. And listen, doing the first two helps bring forth the last one, being quick to listen, being swift to hear. Boy, this is a good principle to live by, being swift to hear and slow to speak. And in being swift to hear, listen, it starts by being swift to hear his word, being swift to hear him, being swift to take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ and testing all things and filtering all things through the word of God. That's how he wants us to live. That's how he wants us to think. Proverbs puts it like this concerning the word of God. Proverbs 8.32, now then listen to me, my children. Hear that? Listen to me, my children. For blessed are those who keep my ways, hear instruction and be wise. Do not disdain it. Blessed is, is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul, and those who hate me love death. We need to be quick to hear the word of God. We've got to filter things through the word of God in this life that we are living in. Because listen, if we don't do that, boy, there's a lot of things to make you angry, are there not? I mean, we look around and, man, especially the season that we're in right now. Who rejoices every time they see another commercial for the election? No matter who it is. Oh, boy, another one. Oh, I really like this one. I've only heard it 18 times while watching the news tonight. But we need to be, again, swift to hear his word. To filter things through his word. And this takes, again, hearing things according to the word, not just hearing what we want to hear. Because sometimes we cherry pick the word in hearing. We just focus in on wrath and we push out grace and mercy. Revelation 3.22, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Have you ever been in the place where you only hear what you want to hear? I can't remember which one of my kids it was, but I remember them one of them doing this more than the other. You know how they have all the little hiding spots and little forts and stuff in the house? And I'd come in, I'd be like, hey, where are you at? And I wouldn't hear anything. And I knew they were in the house. Hey, where are you? Wouldn't hear anything. Then I'd go, I got candy. And I'd hear a little voice return, I'm in here. <laughs> Let's not do that with the word of God. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And listen, what the Spirit says to the churches is the totality of Scripture. Not bits and pieces. Let's also make sure we don't harden our heart because, listen, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. Hebrews 3, 7, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And we need to know when we're not swift to hear the word of God, when we're shunning the word of God, he likens it to a form of witchcraft. Again, it's deifying ourself. I'll hear my word. I don't want to hear the word of God. And listen, that doesn't produce the righteousness of God. That produces our own agenda. And remember what man's will did? It brought forth death. God willed life to come forth. 
I'll tell you this as well, when it comes to counseling, listening to the person talking is a huge thing as well. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody that while you're speaking, you can tell they're not listening to a word that you're saying, they're just thinking about what they're going to say. Anyone ever been in a conversation like that? And you're sharing with them some brilliant idea that you have, and then they respond And they share the idea you just shared with them and then they claim it as their idea because they weren't listening to you. They were just thinking about what they were going to see by subliminally in their mind getting your great idea in their mind. (laughs) Listen, make sure you're not that person, okay? Because that's annoying when it happens, is it not? It's disrespectful. It's not loving your brother. And as well, how are you going to minister to them if you're not really hearing? Let's also make sure that we are quick to hear the whole situation before rushing into judgment. Has anyone here ever heard part of the story and got all angry and so forth? And boy, oh yeah, we're going to do something about this. Then you hear the other side and you're like, oh. The Bible addresses this. Proverbs 18, 17. The first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. And I would encourage you in the midst of that. That doesn't mean to run around and make a defense for yourself. But let's make sure that we are not so foolish to hear one side of a story and get full of wrath and suckered in because I guarantee you there's always another side. And only hearing one side does not produce the righteousness of God. One other note on this, notice what it says. Are we ready for this? Because as hearing this, we may have been thinking, oh yeah, boy, this is good for some people in here. They really need to practice this. But notice what it says before. Be swift to hear. It says, let every man. That includes me. That includes you. Let every man. Let's never get to the point where we think, oh, I'm the old wise one. Everyone needs to hear from me. Because that is not wisdom at at all. That is foolishness. I love it there. Jesus is teaching in Mark 12, 37. It says, and the common people heard him gladly. But when we're swift, again, to speak and slow to hear, that is pride. That's saying, well, I don't need to listen to this. I just need to interject. And again, man's pride does not bring forth the righteousness of God. So let everyone be swift to hear, and then notice you're slow to speak. Think about it. We got two ears and a tongue for a reason. We need to be quick to hear, slow to speak. Remember that. It sounds kind of corny, but remember that. I got two ears and a tongue. I need to be swift to hear. I need to be slow to speak. Why? Because, listen, the tongue can do so much stinking damage, can it not? Anyone here have a tongue that they can control completely? James spends a whole chapter on this later on in this epistle. James 3, 5, see how how great a forest, a little fire kindles, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. That's pretty blunt, isn't it? It's set on fire by hell. And he's talking to believers here. Proverbs 10, 19, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. See, this is encouragement for us to be slow to speak. And then Proverbs 17, 27 and 28, he who has knowledge spares his words and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he is considered 
perceptive. Listen, impulsiveness is not a godly trait. Being that person says, oh, I speak my mind. That's just who I am. That's foolishness. You're just going to have to deal with it. In the name of Jesus, I just speak my mind. Being all proud of that and whatnot. Proverbs 14.29, he who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. Patience is good. Listen, if you have to speak, then speak to God first. Now, a little side note for us today. Back then when this was written, there was, not, there was no social media. Today we have that. And I think I can add this, and I'm not taking anything out of context. Listen, be swift to hear, slow to speak. And I think this is under the context of this because posting and speaking are really the same. Be slow to post. Be slow to post, especially when you are taking social media to use it to go on a personal rant. Because a lot of times you say things, and praise God, people forget exactly what you said. You know what I'm saying here? But when it's posted and out there in cyberspace, you ain't ever getting that back. And you might think, I went in and erased it. I guarantee you, once it's up there, it's out there. Also know this. We are living in a day when Big Brother is watching you, and he is training up an army of adolescents that are being trained to hide in the bushes and record and video everything that you are doing. We're seeing this played out right now. The old Donald would probably be 10 points ahead, but someone recorded him, did they not? And if we had any integrity, the other one would be in prison right now. Well, you talk about needing to be slow to anger when you hear someone righteously justifying a baby in the ninth month of pregnancy being murdered in the name of women's rights. Well, what about 30 million females that were murdered in the womb? What about their rights? I'll be slow to anger right now and practice what I'm preaching here. But listen, there's something that should stir our hearts. And boy, it's a grieving thing to, 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 to see people in a place where it's like water off a duck's back. I think everyone should have to go in and look at a sonogram. Look at a nine-month-old baby in a mother's womb. Again, we've been looking at this at Exodus. Pharaoh's daughter was under that mandate of murdering all the Israelite uh, baby boys that were born and she didn't put up any issue with it and then she saw Moses and she said we got to keep this one alive because she saw the truth and it set her free we got to proclaim the truth and we need to be proclaiming the truth in all these issues and we need to be proclaiming the truth in that issue as well I did pretty good there (laughs) the temptation is still luring to bring me in but Be swift to hear. Let every man be swift to hear. (laughs) Slow to speak. And then slow to wrath or slow to anger. And listen, opening the ears and shutting the mouth goes a long way in tempering anger. It goes a long way from keeping us from blowing our gasket. Do I need an illustration for blowing our gasket? Have we all blown our gasket before? And listen, here's some counsel. These are things we want to hear when we're tempted to explode. We want to hear God's word first, again, in filtering the things that we are going through and hearing. Ephesians 4.31, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put from you 
with all malice, notice, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. It puts it all in perspective, right? Even these individuals. Listen, God's forgiven me, I deserve hell. These politicians, these individuals promoting these gross things. Listen, Jesus died for them, and they still got breath in their lungs because it's God's hope that they would repent and they would get saved. It doesn't mean that I just roll over and I don't stand up and I'm salt and light. It doesn't mean they shame me in the corner to be quiet. I got to stand for the truth whether they like it or not. And even if I'm misunderstood and people throw tomatoes at me, who cares? Because that's not love either. We need to hate lies and hate the enemy, but no, God loves these people. Listen, our church is full of people that have been saved out of fornication and homosexuality and adultery and abortions and everything else. Proverbs 16.32, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Proverbs 19.11, the discretion of a man makes him slow to anger and his glory is to overlook transgression. Ecclesiastes 7.9, do not hasten and your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. If you're running around angry all the time, the Bible says you're foolish. James 2.13, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Matthew 5.21, Jesus said, you have heard that it was said of old, you shall not murder. Whoever murders is in danger of judgment. But I say to you that Whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And then Romans 12, 17 through 19. Listen, I'm barely scratching the surface on this. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And we got to remember, again, the world's already condemned. God's wrath is coming. Let's be instruments that, again, get angry at sin and at lies, but make sure that that's not causing us to be angry people, but instead be people that share the truth in love, wanting to see people get set free. Does that make sense? Now, listen, it's not to say there's not a place or time to be angry. It says, let them be slow to wrath, slow to anger. It doesn't say, and never get angry. Because again, on some of these things that I've talked about, we do need to get a little zeal going on when it comes to things like life in the womb, when it comes to things like false doctrines coming forth, whether it's keeping the Sabbath to be saved or, you know, what this idea there's no hell that Jesus clearly taught about. We need to get stirred up on some of this stuff. We're called to contend for the faith. Nowadays, though, so many people, they don't, care, they don't even care. They name in the name of Christ, but they don't even care about this stuff. They don't think it's an issue. But the Bible says, do not be deceived. And last week we looked at, again, we're not to be deceived concerning doctrine. Because in paying attention to our doctrine, we'll save ourselves and those who hear us. Mark 3, 4. It says, then he said to them, Jesus here, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or do evil, to save a life or kill? But they kept silent. Yeah, the issue I brought up earlier, they're like, hey, we got to be saboteurs to be saved. Listen, the Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. We got the Sabbath in Jesus Christ. We've ceased from working when we put faith in him. And when he looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. 
Jesus put that down. Acts 17, 16. Now while Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw the city was given over to idols, false doctrine. They were worshiping demons, and he was provoked about that. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, well, whatever. Chill out, dudes. He was provoked, and it caused him to go in and preach the gospel to them, loving them, being provoked by the lie they were under that was damning them to hell. That's why we're told in Ephesians 4.26, be angry and do not sin. God wants us to be stirred up. We need some zeal in the body of Christ today. We need more people who care about what the Bible says, knowing the truth will set people free. And while caring, cares about people and loving them and sharing the truth with them in a manner that, again, is bold but loving as well. That's the balance in these things. Verse 20, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And again, God's wrath is righteous. Make no mistake about it. His judgment is righteous. But when we walk in our wrath, it doesn't reflect the righteousness of God himself. There's a great picture of this in Numbers. Moses had been used by the Lord to bring the people out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness. They get in the wilderness. They're stubborn. They complain. They murmur at every turn. They're complaining against him, against Aaron, against uh, Miriam, against the Lord. And man, Moses, man, you got to commend this guy over and over again. He intercedes for him, intercedes for him, intercedes for him. And then the day comes where he's just had it. They're out once again and there's not water and God's provided for them over and over and over again. There's manna, their sandals aren't wearing out. Listen, everywhere they go, God provides for them. And then their place, oh, you brought us out here to die. And Moses prays and God says, listen, speak to the rock. And water will come forth. And Moses says, you bunch of rebels. And he takes his stick and he starts beating that rock. And water comes out of the rock. But God says to Moses, because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given to them. Moses did not represent the Lord properly. His wrath came forth, and it was misrepresentation of the Lord. And he said, because of this, you're not going to bring him in to the promised land. That was costly. And think about this. In the New Testament, it makes it clear that Jesus was that rock. And when he beat that rock, in a sense, in his anger over them, he was beating Jesus. We don't want to be those people, amen? I don't want to be that. Jesus died for these people, so in a way, when I get angry with them, I'm beating them. When I get angry with the latest Lady Gaga, whatever, listen, it's just stirring my heart, the nonsense, but listen, the Lord loves her. Goofy name and all, the Lord loves her. <laughs> he loves these folks. He loves, are you ready for it, Hillary Clinton? The woman infuriates me. The things that come out of her mouth, her actions and so forth. You're looking like, how can a thief like this? And listen, the other guy too. I'm voting on issues of life, and I see four candidates. I see one saying that they believe in life in the womb. And that's going to influence who I vote for. I think that's, there there are some issues here, and and people say, he might not keep that. Well, he might, but I know the other ones, the other three, they're going to keep what they're saying. 
That's myself personally, and I can share that. I'm not telling you how to vote. But the stuff that comes out of that dude's mouth, it's like, what's wrong with you, you idiot? <laughs> what kind of a fool talks about Rosie O'Donnell in a presidential debate? But listen, God loves these people. He cares about them. Wouldn't it be a glorious thing if in the middle of that, they fell on their knees and called out to the living God? That's what we need as a nation. None of these policies are going to change anything. We've got a bunch of covetous, covetous people that are saying, who can give me more stuff? That's who I'm going to vote for. And listen, you know, what the, you know what you get with covetousness? You get covetousness. It's the curse. Think about it. You're driven by covetousness. That very drive is the curse to chastise you because it's never satisfied. We don't want to misrepresent the Lord. And when we're angry with these people, in a way, we are angry with Jesus. He was slow to wrath. He made a way to save them and to me. Who am I to get angry with them? Listen, before I knew the Lord, put me on that stage. You ought to make a fool of myself. I do it enough already as a follower of Christ. The way I ran and raved and the things I thought and so forth. Think about some of the things you think about. What if everyone knew your thoughts? What if all your thoughts were put on social media? No one would even talk at you. No one would look at you. You know that's true. And again, when we're full of wrath, we misrepresent the Lord. Romans 2, 24, God told the Israelites, the name of God is blaspheming among the Gentiles because of you. They had been given the gospel. It was to save everybody. And they told the Gentiles, you were created for firewood and hell. It didn't bring them into righteousness. It made them a little angry with the Israelites and the God they said that they represented. Let that not be us. Now listen, if we're disdain for the gospel of Jesus Christ, rejoice in that day. But if it's because we have an attitude and we're mean-spirited and all that, we should be ashamed in that day and repent in that day. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up and let's close in prayer. <coughs> Heavenly Father, indeed, we bless you this morning. We praise you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. I thank you so much, Lord, that when I was in sin... You will to make a way of salvation for me. And I pray that all of us could get that and understand that. And Lord, take it personally because it's meant to be taken personally. If you're here today and you haven't called upon the name of Jesus Christ, you've heard the bad news, but more importantly, you have heard the good news. And I would hope and pray that right now, if you haven't already, you would humble your heart. You'd ask Jesus Christ to forgive you. And in sincerity and truth, you would ask him to be the Lord of your life putting your faith in him and the work of the cross and he will meet you where you are at right now wash you of your sins and be your lord and be your savior we're going to worship the lord and the altar is going to be open up here i'm going to invite some prayer counselors to come down and this morning you're giving your life to christ i want to invite you to come forward to pray with one of these people also just to make it known listen i'm putting my faith in jesus christ i don't care what anyone thinks jesus died public publicly for me i want to profess him i want to put my faith in him also, any others you need prayer, come up this morning. We want to pray with you. We want to pray with one another. Help us in these things we've looked at, Lord. We desperately need your grace and mercy. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Let's worship our Lord.
God bless you in the Lord Jesus Christ.